Just so you guys know, Daniel Parker moved to North Carolina. I know, he's, he's got a great job up there working for some video production company that does sound and video, and which is what he's been dreaming for, dreaming about and, um, in Charlotte, North Carolina. So it's, we're going to miss Daniel big time. He'll be coming back here and there, but it's really going to miss Daniel. Um, such a neat brother. He is, uh, he's, he's right now in Guatemala with Michael and Rocky Bean, helping Michael and Rocky in, in Guatemala. So that's why the last week's message was not, a, it's not online yet, but as soon as he gets back in the States, he's going to put last Sunday's on, online and then this Sunday. But anyway, he's a neat brother. So if you ever want to shoot him an email or something, he'd appreciate it big time. Daniel Parker. I guess Tully could get us his email sometime. That'd be great. And Tully's learning how to do all the... He's gonna, I think Daniel's going to teach him how to put it online maybe so we can just have someone locally doing it. But. Last Sunday we shared some thoughts about um, just about the awesomeness of um, how Jesus, Jesus brought us um, back to where he came from. John said he was in the bosom of the Father. He was in the bosom of the Father. He was in the very heart of the Father. He was in the, you couldn't be any closer. Um, In the Greek, the actual terminology in the Greek refers to a face-to-face fellowship, a face-to-face intimacy. And that the Son, who was in the bosom of the Father, came to us for the express purpose of bringing us back with Him. We've been called into the fellowship of the Father and the Son. And so Paul, the grand finale of Paul's writings is this. Know you not that you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in sight of God. See? Union. The Father and the Son, the Son and the Father, and now the Son and me. And I and the Son, one. Father, that they may be where I am, that they may behold my glory that I had with you before the world was, that they may behold my glory, that they may be where I am in the bosom of the Father. He did it. That reality is the engine of the Christian life. That reality is the engine, it's the heavenly dynamic. Of how Christ lives through us. Being aware of that reality. I want to just share some more thoughts about that this morning. Kind of like a part two. Um, pray that it will be a, a deeper look into it than last Sunday. To see some things hopefully that will really encourage us. The joy. The son brought to us the joy he had with the father. And the peace he had with the father. He says I leave my joy with you. I leave my peace with you. Because what he accomplished brought us where he is. In the bosom of the Father. Lord, we pray that the Holy Spirit would open our eyes to these things. Father, the Spirit of God is given to show us the deep things of God. The things that only the Spirit can reveal to us. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would open our eyes and our minds to this incredible reality. That we would see that what your Son accomplished 
Lord Jesus, thank you for revealing to us that you have brought us back with you in the Spirit, that we really do sit with you in heavenly places, that you are where we are on earth, and we are where you are in heaven. What a mystery. What a reality. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the love that comes in this reality. The love of God, 24-7. For you have removed our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. You have taken away the sin of the world. That you might raise, raise us up, a new creation. And bring us to your domain. Into your kingdom. For we truly have been translated from this realm of darkness into the realm of the beloved Son. And we too now can call ourselves beloved. Beloved of God. Beloved of God. Oh Lord, Father, you prayed that they may know that you have loved them even as you have loved me. It is done. It is finished. Rest. Rest in the reality of heaven. Rest in the reality of a father's love. We stand by grace in this reality. Father, by the Holy Spirit, I pray that we would see these things and feed on you by faith that Christ might dwell mightily in us. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. In the very beginning, in the very beginning, when God made man, he never intended man to live without God. The way God made man with a spirit was so that God could live inside a man and through man. And so that also so man could live inside of God. In the very beginning, God's intention was always to live his own life through man, through us. In the beginning, with the two trees in the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. We've said this before, but I want to say this as a foundation for what Jesus came to do. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was the deception. Satan used that tree to deceive the people, to deceive Adam and Eve, telling them, and we've heard this before, but I want you to hear it one more time, telling Adam and Eve that you can be like God without God. You don't need God to be like him if you just had the knowledge of right and wrong, good and evil. Now what this, the deception was, and I I said this before, but many people think that the deception in the garden was that they could be like God. No, that's not the deception. God wanted them to be like him. He made them in his image. 
The deception is that they were told they could be like God without God. That if they just had the knowledge of what God had, just with the knowledge of good and evil, they wouldn't need God to pull it off and to do good. In other words, if they had the knowledge that God had, they could be like God without God. That deception was imparted into to man when they ate of that fruit. That was passed on to the, all the children of Adam and Eve. It's in all of us. It, it's in our flesh. It's the thought that I don't need God. At the very basic level, it is the basic thought, I don't need God. The scripture says, Paul says, when the law came, sin the power of sin in the flesh, which is the, which is the, the nature of Satan, is the, the thinking of Satan that was imparted to fallen man. Jesus even called the Pharisees and said, your father is Satan. Because in a sense, all fall, the fallen race incorporated within them the nature of Satan. The, the satanic thought that I don't need God. The quote from the prophets of, of uh, Satan's fall when he was Reveling against God, he said, I will ascend to the Most High. I will ascend to the North. I will be God. I will do, I will, I will. he said, I will five times. Satan, Lucifer said, I will five times because that's, that's the mystery of iniquity. The mystery of iniquity began with an angel saying, I don't need God. I don't need my Creator. Of course, the foolishness of it was revealed and he fell and he infected the human race with that thinking that you don't need God. How many people in the world today think like that? They don't need God. It's, just, it's part of the deception. It's part of the flesh. Okay, so what happened in the, in the garden is, oh yeah, well Paul says when the law came, the law came, sin and deceived me. Sin deceived me. And, the, and, the, and then slew me. The law that was supposed to be a, unto life became death to me, Paul said. Why? Because when the law came, thou shalt not covet, Paul said. Sin in me deceived me. What is he saying there? Sin deceived me. The power, the power of the flesh, the power of sin in, in Paul had the, the thoughts that I can do this. That's the deception. Sin's deception is that you don't need God. Give me the rules, I can keep them. Give me the knowledge of good and evil, I can do them. So what Paul is saying there is that when the knowledge of good and evil came to him, sin deceived him thinking, I can do this. Then he failed miserably, and it killed him in condemnation. See? So it slew him. Sin, the law actually slew him. It became a letter of death to him because of the deception that arose in him that I can do that. And so because he couldn't do that, condemnation came. All right. That's a cycle that every believer still goes through. That's not just for unbelievers. That's every believer still goes. Because you can still walk in the flesh. And think you can live the Christian life. The power of flesh, the power of sin in the flesh, which is still in our bodies, in the members of our body, the scripture says, is stimulated by law. The power of sin is stimulated by the law. It'll arise, the thoughts will arise that I can do this. I can start my own business without God. I can drive down the highway without God. I can get married without God's wisdom. I can break my leaves without God. Whatever. I don't need God to break my leaves. Yes, you do. I don't need God to make French toast. Yes, you do. 
I can do this. You know, in fact, there was a generation. My dad was in the, in the generation that, you know, God's real busy. You know, he expects you to do something yourself. You know, he, he only expects you to ask him for the big stuff, but he expects you to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and do this yourself. And, you know, my dad meant well, but that's not God delights in us being completely dependent on him for everything. The son of God said, apart from the father, I can do nothing. He says, the works I do are not my works, but the works of my father who dwells within me. And the words I speak are the words of my father that, that's, that he speaks to me and in me. See, what happened was Jesus came with the divine nature. And he countered, his divine nature countered the nature of Satan. The power of sin in the flesh, which is I don't need God, was countered by the Son of God's nature, the divine nature that says, without God I can do nothing. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is really the tree of the flesh. The tree of life is really the tree of the spirit. Now think about it this way. This is really cool. Think about it this way. When you see the words tree of life, think about this. It's not a perfect picture, but I think it gets the thought across. When you see the tree of life, think about it as a life support system for someone who's in the hospital and they have their own life support. You see? The tree of life. You can't live without it. You see it? That's, that, that's what that means. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is you're abandoning the life support system that you were made to have, which is God. Within you, you're abandoning the life support system with knowledge of good and evil trying to pull it off and you die. You shall surely die when you eat of that tree. And even to this day, as a believer, if you try to live this life without God, you will surely experience the death of the flesh. The corruption of the flesh. But the tree of life, see... It's, uh, the life support system is not a really perfect example because it's, it looks like, you know, you're, not, you're like tubes all over you and stuff. <laughs> but what I'm trying to get across is that it's like without that life, you cannot live. You see? It's his life in you. You and I were made to live with his life in you. It's not an option. There's no other way. Man, man is either going to live by the power of, the, the power of evil through the flesh, through the, through the lie that's in the flesh, or he's going to live by the power of God through the spirit of life. In Christ Jesus. Okay, so Jesus came, and, and I always wondered. Like, I wondered about this. Like, why? Why did they not eat of the tree of life before they eat? Of, they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam and Eve. And I think this is why God breathed into Adam, and he became a living soul, a living soul. And then he made Eve out of Adam, and. The tree of life is off to the side here. They never ate of that tree. And I think the reason why is because God wanted to show them who he really was before they ate of the tree of life. The angels long to look into what you have now because they did not receive grace. God allowed evil to do its bidding. The lamb slain before the foundation of the world. God was not caught surprised. So that he could reveal his heart to man. So he could reveal his grace. Only after man saw 
God's awesome grace did God want to give the life. Does that make sense? He didn't want, man probably would never could have, we could never have appreciated who God really was, like the angels. If there was not the need for grace. So in the wisdom of God, he allowed Satan to do his best. So he could show his real heart, who he is to the, his sons and daughters, that they might have life. Jesus said, I am the way to the Father. I am the truth about the Father. And I'm the life in the Father. See? Uh, just lost my thought. What was I just saying about the... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you. <laughs> because God wanted to show his, his heart to man first before he joined himself to man, I believe. Um, think about this. God's God's way of living through us, God's way of living through us, was never to be a way of just knowledge of right and wrong. The scripture says that when he made Adam and Eve, that they were both naked and not ashamed. Scripture says they were naked and not ashamed. They walked with God, the scripture says, in the cool of the garden. There was no fear. Adam did not fear God. There was no shame. And he never hid from God. He welcomed the Father in the cool of the afternoon. The scripture says God would come and walk with Adam and Eve. They were not ashamed. They weren't afraid of him. And they never hid from him. All they knew, and this is the key, all they knew, they didn't know knowledge of good and evil. All they knew was God. See, God's way of reproducing himself in us is to reveal himself. To us. Jesus, the scripture says, no man has ever seen God, but the Son of God. Actually, in the Greek, it says, but the only begotten God, in the Greek, the only begotten God, the Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. No man has seen God but the Son. The Son has explained him. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you have never heard his voice, nor have you ever seen his form. But I have heard his voice, and I have seen the Father, Jesus said. Jesus said, I have heard his voice, and I have seen him. See, the power of God and the way of God is not to give you a knowledge of right and wrong. It's to give us the true knowledge of himself. How many times we read in the apostles' letters, grow in the knowledge of God. 
how many times Paul writes about the Spirit has come to give us the true knowledge of Christ, the one who created us in righteousness, a true knowledge of Him who created us like Him in His image, see? Revelation knowledge of Him. When we are enraptured just in knowing Him, then that which is not like Him is readily ascertained. That's his way. God would rather us be naive as to what is evil and wise as to what is good. We don't have to focus on knowing good and evil. That's, that's the deception because that puts you at, in an independent role of trying to figure out what is good, what is evil. They didn't know being naked was anything wrong. Why? God did not tell them. He said, who told you you were naked? They got knowledge from another source, not from God, and it brought shame. It brought fear. It brought a hiding from God. I tell you, this way is awesome. It's a simple, beautiful way to live. It's like, I just want to look at the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Beholding the glory of God in the face of Jesus. And He is love. He's love. He's love. He's love. He's love. He's love. The love of God. See, we, and then, so as we know Him, Jesus said, this is eternal life, to know the Father. And Jesus, whom thou hast sent, because to see Jesus is to see the Father. Have I been so long with you, Philip? And you don't know me yet? Philip asked, show us the Father. Have I been so long with you, Philip? Don't you see? He who has seen me has seen the Father. God's way. He restored the way that was in the garden. He brought back the way. The way that God walked with Adam and Eve was just to, they just beheld him. They were just with him. They didn't know that nakedness was an issue. They weren't told that, so they didn't know. And God had no problem with it. But when they heard from another source what is good and what is evil, that's when the separation began to take place. You see that? It's an awesome revelation in the book of Genesis when God says, who told you that? I didn't tell you you were naked, so who told you that? You got that from some other source. You didn't get that from beholding me. To teach us that the way of God is not just to have knowledge of right and wrong. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. Knowledge puffs up with right and wrong, but love, the love of God, edifies. Revelation of who God is edifies and strengthens us. It's his way. It's his way. It's, so, it's awesome. And so when Jesus prayed in John 17, Father, I pray that they would be where I am. Let's look at that prayer just real quick. John 17. Look at John 17, if you would, verse 20. I love the simplicity of God. Christ is the wisdom of God and the power of God. He took away our sin. He took away our judgment so that for the, for the purpose of joining himself to us, that we might be where he is, that we might behold him where he is. It's so awesome. Okay, here we, here we go. John 17, verse 20. I do not ask in, in behalf of these alone, speaking of those apostles that were right there, but I also ask for those also who will believe in me through their word. I'm asking for Steve Abair, 
I'm asking for Tom. I'm asking for John. I'm asking for Julie. I'm asking for Scott. I'm asking for Tully. I'm asking for Jason. I'm asking, I'm asking Father, for all those who will believe, for Dale, that they may all be one, Father, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that you did send me. And the glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. What is the glory that God gave the Son? Sonship. My only begotten Son. The glory you gave me is your own, to, be, to be your only Son. I give to them many sons. Many sons being brought into glory. A son, a co-heir of Christ, with Christ, an heir of God. What glory is that? The glory that you gave me, Father, I give to them. That they may be one just as we are one. We could not be one if we were not sons and daughters. We couldn't be one. We have to be part of the family. Verse 23. And this is not a oneness like this. That people teach all the time. It's not a vertical oneness. I mean a uh, horizontal oneness. Of all the churches coming together. And all the denominations coming together. And some ecumenical movement. It's not that at all. There were no churches when Jesus prayed this prayer anyway. There were no denominations. He wasn't praying that one day 2,000 years later. The churches would all come together and be one. That is ridiculous. He defines his own terms in the next verse. Look at verse 23. What do you mean, Lord, when you say in 22, we are one, that you want us to be one? What do you mean, Lord? 23. This is what I mean, he says. I in them and thou in me. I in them and, Father, you in me, that they may be perfected in union. May be perfect in union. That the world may know that you did send me and I did love them. And did love them. The Father did love them even as you did love me. You see that? The union he's talking about is the same union he had with the Father. I in you, Father, the Father in me. Now I in them, Father, and they in me. Union this way, vertical union, that can happen in for each individual as we believe. It happens, the miracle happens. For the Father and the Son shall make their abode in us by the Holy Spirit, Jesus said. The Father and Son shall make their abode in us by the Holy Spirit. Look at this, verse 20. Oh, yeah, don't pass this by too fast. Verse 23. That they may know that, Father, you did love them as you did love me. In the same way, the Father loves the Son. He loves you and I. This is the fellowship of the Father and the Son He's brought us into. This awesome, this awesome love of the Father is toward you and I just like it was toward Jesus Himself. I, this is like too hard to hear. Look at verse 24. Father, I desire that they also... He's asking for, for more now for you. And more from me. He's asking more now. Look, he says, also, I pray that those whom you've given me would be with me where I am. In order that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me. For thou didst love me before the foundation of the world. This is not talking about when we die and go to heaven. Because he says that they may behold my glory. Paul says that's the key to to having the mind renewed is to behold now in these bodies the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Now, this is proof that this is one of the proof texts, I guess you could say, that Jesus is not praying that this is going to happen after your body dies. Lord, I pray, he's, he's saying, Father, I pray that they would be where I am, that they may behold my glory. 
Because as we behold Him, we're beholding the Father. As we see the Father as He really is, we live His life effortlessly. It's His way. You respond. The life of of Christ responds. It bypasses the mind. It's a response of life. The mind is renewed. The mind is catching up to what what already is in the Spirit. As Paul said of the gifts of the Spirit, that the mind is sometimes unfruitful because it's the Spirit that's first, then the mind. And that's the way we walk in the Christian life. We We live in the love of God. We keep ourselves in the love of God. We pray in the Spirit and keep ourselves in this awesome love and we respond. The life of God in us responds to things that happen all around us. And we don't know how or why that we did that, but that's just the life. Because we are so enraptured with the Father by beholding the Son that we just find ourselves being and doing as He is. It's a rest. That's why He said, come learn of me. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. What was He yoked up to? He was yoked up to the Father. He goes, I don't do anything of myself. It's my Father. I live completely dependent on the Father. I can't, I can't make breakfast without the Father. I look to the Father to do all things. I can't wake up in the morning without the Father. I can't, do, I can't speak without the Father. I don't go try to raise Lazarus up the, from the dead without the Father. Tell me to go. And when He tells me to go, then I go. I only do what I see my Father doing and I only say what I hear my Father saying. I live my life that way. It's a rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. I am meek and lowly of heart because I'm totally dependent on another life within. That's it. See, that's, that's, how we, that's how he's brought us into. This is a life of joy and fellowship with the Father's love and peace. Total peace because there's, there's no barrier between us and the Father. He wants us to live. This is how you were made to live. You were designed to live this way. You have a, a human spirit. God, he who is joined to the Spirit is one spirit. The Scripture says the Lord's Spirit now lives through us. It is not I, but Christ, Paul says, lives through me. It's the secret of everything. It's the secret. And the Father came, sent the Son. The Father sent the Son to show us this, the tree of life, the life support system. Without that life, you cannot live. Abandon the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Abandon your thoughts of what is right and what is wrong. And embrace God and behold God. Paul says, I, don't know, I no longer serve the law in my mind, but I serve God in my spirit. You see? To try to serve the law in your mind through the knowledge of good and evil, Romans 7 says, leads to death because there's another law more powerful in my members, the power of sin in the flesh. And when I try to serve the law of God with my mind, the power of sin rises in the flesh and takes me captive every time because of the deception that says, I can do it when when we really cannot do it. But in that dependency upon Him, He does it. Tree of life. Look at this. This is so cool. Verse 24. Father, I desire that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am in order that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me. For thou didst love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father. I love this. O righteous Father. Although the world has not known thee yet, I have known thee. I know thee. And these have known that thou didst send me. And I have made your name known, which means I have revealed who you are. And I will make it known. Look at the emphasis of the Son of God. His desire was to make his Father known. He goes, and I will make you known. That the love wherewith you did love me may be in them. And I in them. 
You see that? He makes the Father known to us that the love of the Father, which is toward the Son, may be in us. That He also might be in us Himself and live His own life through us. And that awareness of this awesome love as a, as a son or a daughter of God. Not about rules, not about laws, not about knowledge of good and evil. It's about the Father. I have come to declare the Father. This is to see me, Jesus said, is to see the Father. Do we know the Father? Do we know the Father? Do we know Jesus? See, that is the wellspring of the power of the Spirit within you. For him to live his own life through you, through me. Simple but profound. That's why when he walked around, when Jesus walked the earth and everything he said, everything he did, he was demonstrating the Father. He goes, he goes I don't do anything unless the Father tells me to do it. I, I, I see my Father doing things and I do what he does. I follow behind him, so to speak. I hear him say things and I say things. I only do what he sends me to do and says, I say what he tells me to say. So that when you look at Jesus, you're looking at the express image of the Father. You see? The express image of the Father. And then when I see the Father, this is the heavenly miracle of it all. This is the dynamic of it all. And Paul you know, brought this up when he said how Moses' face began to shine when he just began to look at God. That's the same way in the new creation. We were made to live that way. There's a heavenly dynamic that's released that, that's unexplainable. As unexplainable as photosynthesis. As unexplainable as how light can touch a green leaf and cause the, the uh, sugar to be created in the plant and feed the plant. How light... Light can become sugar in a plant and feed the plant. If it can, if it can happen in, the, in, in botany, <laughs> created by God, it can certainly happen in the new creation that God created in a way that's far more powerful that we can't explain. It's awesome. So the light of the glory of God in the face of Christ release, releases some chemical spiritual reaction in the new creation that causes that which we're seeing to emanate from us and rebound and rebound back and rebound. It's the engine of the Christian life. It's the power. It's the dynamic. And, and then with this revelation of the Father in, in Christ by the Spirit, when that which is not like Christ walks by, when that which is not like the Father walks by, it's an immediate... Ooh, that's not like my papa. That's not like my papa. You know? Or someone gets mean or angry. Or, That's not like my papa. Someone's cruel. That's not like my papa. Or yourself gets frustrated or lose your patience. You go, oh, That's not like that's not like you, Dad. That's not like you, Dad. You don't have to know all the rules. You just you know him. You know him. And in that, see, there's relationship. There's no relationship with knowledge of good and evil. It's just you on your own trying to pull it off. But there's relationship in life, in union with a person, a God who calls you by name, who lives in you and you living in him. It's genius. It's wisdom. It's awesome. The tree of life is God-kind life, God-kind life. We, as human beings, were made to live with God-kind life in our spirit. We cannot live, we cannot function 
as we were meant to function in any other way. Jesus came to remove all barriers that we might be joined to God. The tree of life appears again in Christ. He is the bread of life. See, that's why John says he is the true bread. He is the true life. He's the true light. He's the true vine. He's the real, the real, the real, the real. All of which has been created is a picture of him, the real. Not anything was made that was not made that came into being, did not come into being except through him. It's awesome. So everything that came into being was a picture of him. Even photosynthesis is a picture of this spiritual way of living. Everything was made to teach us about him. For the invisible things of God are clearly seen and understood by the things which have been made. He's the real. He's the real vine. He's the real light. He's the real bread. He's the true bread. He's the real bread. He's the real, the real, the real. And now we just behold him in the real. They who worship God must worship him in the spirit and in the real, in the reality. Spirit and truth, the reality. The law came by Moses, but that was death. But grace and truth, grace and the real came by Jesus. The revelation of God's heart, grace. Full of, he was full of grace. Grace for grace. His heart full of grace. The revelation of who the Father is has come. And now we have life in him. And now we see things as, as the Son sees him. We know the Father as the Son knows the Father. Awesome. We can know the Father now as the Son knows the Father, as the Son reveals the Father to us. No man knows the Father except the Son who reveals him, the Scripture says. And the Son delights to reveal the Father to us now. In Him. And that's the source of all life, source of all peace, source of all joy. I know my dad, I know my dad, I know my dad. I know my papa. What a rest. What a yoke. What an easy and easy yoke to, to be joined to another who lives his life through me, who loves me and calls me beloved. As we said last Sunday, John laid on his chest. He laid on the bosom of Jesus. That's what Jesus did to the Father for all ages before there was anything. Jesus laid his head on the chest of the Father, on the bosom of the Father, talking to his Father, communing with his Father. And when John did that to Jesus, he, he was saying, as I live by the Father, so shall you live by me. Amen. Lord, thank you so much for this awesome reality. Lord, thank you so much. Awesome. Amen.